Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including guests, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, will be joining us. Tim Garrett, who is a candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections, will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is December the 21st. It is the winter solstice, the first day of winter. And on this day in 1988, Pan Am Flight 103 from London, New York, exploded in midair over Lockerbie, Scotland, killing 243 passengers, 16 crew members aboard, as well as 11 Lockerbie residents on the ground. A bomb hidden inside a cassette audio cassette player detonated in the cargo area when the plane was at an altitude of 31,000 feet. The disaster, which became the subject of Britain's largest criminal investigation, was believed to be an attack against the United States. 189 of the victims were American. Islamic terrorists were accused of planting the bomb on the plane while it was in the airport in Frankfurt, Germany. Authorities suspected the attack was an retaliation for either the 1986 U.S. airstrikes against Libya or its in which leader Muhammad uh, Gaddafi's younger daughter was killed along with dozens of others, or the 1988 incident in which the U.S. mistakenly shot down an Iran Air commercial flight over the Persian Gulf, killing 290 people. Sixteen days before the explosion over Lockerbie, the U.S. Embassy in Helsinki, Finland, received a call warning that a bomb would be placed on a Pan Am flight out of Frankfurt. There was controversy of how seriously the U.S. took the threat and whether travelers should have been alerted, but officials later said the connection between the call and the bomb was coincidental. I'm sure. (laughs) In 19... Covering your butt, that's uh, pretty much what that was. In 1991, following a joint investigation by the British authorities and the FBI, two Libyan intelligence agents were indicted for murder. However, Libya refused to hand over the suspects to the U.S. Finally, in 1999, in an effort to ease United Nations sanctions against the country, Gaddafi agreed to turn over the two men to Scotland for in trial in the Netherlands using Scottish law and prosecutors. In early 2001... Uh, One was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. The other was acquitted over U.S. uh, government objections. Uh, One was freed and returned to Libya in August 2009 after doctors determined that he had only months to live. In December 2020, reports surfaced that the United States uh, Justice Department would unseal criminal charges against another suspect in the bombing. In 2003, Libya accepted responsibility for the bombing but did not express remorse. The U.N. and the U.S. uh, lifted sanctions against Libya, and Libya agreed to pay each victim's family approximately $8 million in restitution. In 2004, Libya's prime minister said the deal was was the price for peace, implying that his country took only responsibility to get the sanctions lifted, a statement that infuriated victims' families. Uh, Pan Am Airlines, which went bankrupt three years after the bombing, sued Libya and later received a $30 million settlement. In August, or I'm sorry, in December 2022, the U.S. Justice Department announced that uh, this other person who was arrested, Nasud, was arrested by the FBI for his suspect role in the uh, bombing. Tragic day. I remember this day so well. Uh, bombing over Lockerbie, Scotland. Well, stocks took a dive yesterday, kind of the markets breathed out while the Dow was snapping a nine-day winning streak and the S&P 500 having its worst day since September. Futures are up right now. We'll see how the day ends. FedEx fell after delivering a uh, miss on its quarterly results and cutting its revenue forecast for the next year due to weak demand. Uh, That's kind of a leading indicator, isn't it, Uh, having a shipping company like FedEx uh, lower its uh, guidance. U.S. Consumer Confidence Index did rise in December to five-month highs, so that's good news. 
Houthi attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea have forced $80 billion in cargo to be delivered and uh, diverted and caused an oil price spike <clears throat> that pushed gas prices toward their biggest jump since August. But there's a group the shipping company, uh, shipping snarl has been good for. It's the uh, sh- st- shareholders of shipping companies. Uh, Bloomberg calculated as of yesterday the combined value of the 47 largest shipping companies has risen by $22 billion since December 12th when the attacks became more prominent. Uh, With boats taking a longer route and ditching the Red Sea where insurance costs have soared, vessels will be in shorter supply even as customers maintain the same demand. That's that's the uh, law of supply and demand at work there. Well, Chinese President Xi... Uh, told U.S. President Joe Biden last month that Beijing will seek to reunify with Taiwan while noting the timing is unclear, and China prefers to assume control of Taiwan peacefully, according to the reports yesterday. Xi's comments came during a summit in San Francisco meant to reduce tensions between the United States and China and marked the first time he directly conveyed China's stance on Taiwan to Biden. You just wonder what Biden had to say in response. <clears throat> yes, I understand. <laughs> uh, as uh, over my dead body, you'd hope he'd say, but uh, I'm sure he, there's no indication of what he did say in reply. China and Taiwan have been strained relations since 1949. Beijing used Taiwan as part of China, while a self-governing island maintains its sovereign nation. Uh, The U.S. has long adopted a neutral stance on Taiwan's sovereignty while being committed to ensuring Taiwan has resources to defend itself. The U.S. for the uh, first time approved $80 million in military aid to Taiwan in August. U.S. uh, militaries and officials have predicted China may attempt to take Taiwan as soon as 2025, and analysts appear uncertain about Taiwan's uh, military readiness for a potential invasion. China's increased military exercises around Taiwan this year with a record daily number of warplanes circling the island. Not good news. What's our readiness for, uh, militarily? <clears throat> I can promise you it's not good. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is an interesting story. The United Teachers of Dade County and uh, Carla Hernandez Matz vehemently fought against increasing accountability as the state level, and now we know why, they couldn't get 60% of the teachers they claimed to represent to actually sign up for membership. That according to Allison Beatty, Director of Labor Relations at the Freedom Foundation. Uh, United Teachers of Date is the third largest teachers union in the country, and now they're heading towards the largest union decertification vote in American history. Well, we hope that's a canary in the coal mine. We're approaching this summer by a number of teachers in Miami-Dade County who are unhappy seeing their hard-earned paychecks going into the pockets of union officers while those same officers have consistently negotiated away pay and benefits, continued Beatty. Uh, The Miami teachers asked for uh, assistance running a campaign to spread their message as they set up an alternative, apolitical association of teachers that would be free of their incumbent union's corruption, uh, keep union dues out of politics, and focus solely on workplace representation. Sounds like a novel idea, a great idea. And while we're not surprised that UTD couldn't make the 60% threshold because their lost focus of their mission, representing rank-and-file teachers, continued Beatty, the union uh, sends 46% of its budget to unions like the AFL-CAO, National Education Association, and Randy Weingarten. Now they've spent the last few months scrambling to get their unsatisfied customers back just in time for a deadline report, and they couldn't do it, said Beatty. The unions fought uh, SB 256 specifically because they knew if public employees were given the opportunity to think about where they'd rather spend their money, it would probably go towards groceries and gas rather than lining the pockets of unions, according to Beatty. Now, to me, this is just such good news. I I don't understand why more uh, teachers' unions don't decertify unions because the money goes to them. And again, as they explained here, as Beatty explained, the money goes... Uh, to uh, really back uh, operations and things that perhaps they don't even support. So, uh, and it do very little in terms of negotiating benefits for their uh, members. Yesterday, a federal judge temporarily blocked a California law that would be banned that would have banned people from carrying firearms in public places. 
Uh, the law was scheduled to go into effect January 1st after Governor Gavin Newsom signed it earlier this year. It would have banned people from carrying concealed guns in more than two dozen places like public parks, churches, banks, and more, regardless if someone had a permit to carry a concealed weapon. The judge reportedly said the law violates the Second Amendment and is openly defiant of the Supreme Court. Now Newsom apparently plans to push through more gun control legislation. Gun rights advocates say the court saw through this state's gambit. Just to understand why they're making efforts to do this, the Second Amendment of the Constitution is pretty clear. Well, the State Department announced that passport processing times have been returned to pre-COVID levels. I had a friend that was trying to get a passport. He was waiting for months and uh, finally had to call the Senator Scott's office in order to get the things clarified. But uh, it's uh, casually slipped in a draw-dropping uh, statistic. In 1990, only 5% of Americans had a passport. Today, 48% have passports, though actually <laughs> very few probably know where they're at. But anyhow, uh, the more than 160 million U.S. passports in circulation today are almost double the amount in 2017. That's uh, pretty good news for uh, global camaraderie. A recent Pew survey found that Americans who have traveled internationally are more interested and more knowledgeable about foreign affairs and they feel closer to others around the world. Well, they also have some more money. Most people don't uh, travel because well, they have ailments and uh, can't travel or they don't have the money to do so. So there may be that as well. Well, yesterday, American officials confirmed they're swapping a top ally of Venezuelan President uh, Maduro for the release of 10 Americans. As part of the deal, Maduro's buddy Alex Saab, an alleged financier, got clemency. The Biden administration says six of the 10 Americans have been released were wrongfully detained, including two former Green Berets. President Biden said he's grateful that the ordeal is finally over. A man convicted for playing a central role in one of the Navy's largest corruption cases is also being extradited to the United States. So he's going to face the music when he gets back, I'm sure. He uh, took his ankle bra bracelet off and uh, went on to Venezuela to avoid uh, corruption or avoid conviction. Uh, he'll come back and I'm sure face the music. Well, the third largest drugstore chain in America got in some hot water this week with federal regulators who claim Rite Aid never told customers it was using facial recognition software on them while they uh, bought batteries and Alka-Seltzer or that AI system was falsely flagging people as wrongdoers. Rite Aid agreed yesterday not to use the technology for five years after the Federal Trade Commission accused the company of causing emotional and reputational harm to customers at some stores between 2012 and 20. Uh, incorrectly identifying innocent customers as shoplifters thousands of times and in one instance prompting a search of an 11-year-old girl generated 900 match alerts to one person pictures person's picture in its database in 130 stores during a five-day period. Uh, we mostly use, uh, used in areas with black, Latino, and Asian communities, but was all more likely to return false positive matches. So Rite Aid is uh, making corrections. They're going to fix this, and uh, they face the music. So uh, again, facial recognition software, uh, it can be helpful in some cases, but in many cases it can lead to, to some serious harm. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government and the rule of law. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of a terrific organization it's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's always a good Thursday when I get to talk to Bob Harden. Well, thank you, Bob. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Rick. Say, I understand you had a really productive meeting with the governor in the governor's office this past week. We did. As people are probably aware, the legislature is gearing up for the session that starts after the first of the year. And the result of that is a lot of bills are being crafted and and some are being filed already. There's a deadline coming up again after the first of the year. Hmm. And people probably are aware we have been working because parents made us aware of these things to, to try to get these pornographic materials out of our schools. And it's been a much heavier lift than any of us imagined. And we're always looking for what's the thing that keeps this from happening. And we've, we've kind of come to the conclusion there are some legislative fixes that need to take place because people are just kind of reluctant, thinking the law won't support them. So we've been working with a lot of people on that, including Citizens Defending Freedom. Their lawyer drafted a very helpful legal explanation of what he thought was possible in Florida. And so we started talking to the governor's office to see if they would support such an initiative or worst case, would they oppose it? Well, we weren't really sure where they were coming down because they've got their own priorities, you know. But we were really pleased this week. We had a meeting with them, and we talked about all the legal issues and the ups and downs and ins and outs. And they gave us some really good feedback and suggestions. And the, the real important thing that all Floridians should be happy about is that the governor's office said they will not block our attempts to do this. They are supportive of it, and they will be glad for us to do it. They offered to help us huh. the next round. You know, when you when you do legislation, it's a little bit of a of a process and you start out writing something and then you change it a little bit and then you change it a little bit more because you get a lot of good, helpful um, support and feedback. And so we said to them, well, when we get this next version ready, will you take a look at it and give us your thoughts on that? And the legal team said they would. So huh. I think everybody in Florida ought to be really grateful we have a governor that's that responsive and supportive, willing to meet with us, willing to do the right thing for our children. 
Absolutely, uh, Pastor Aiken. I would imagine one of the big problems is that uh, you find out the naysayers who are conflating book banning with uh, the uh, ma objectionable materials that are being included in the library. Yeah, there is some of that. There's no question about it. And people need to be aware that a lot of this that goes on is, is the way people use language and distort the issues because of that. None of our groups, I'm not certainly not the Florida Citizens Alliance or any group that we've been working with, wants to ban books. We haven't been right. trying to ban books. We have been trying to protect our children from things they shouldn't see when they're children. And we think children deserve that protection from responsible adults. We hear this banning idea everywhere. Right. And people need to realize that when somebody is calling what we're doing banning, they are promoting objectionable materials to children. They want the children to see this stuff. It's so bad that Maxwell Frost, the representative from, uh, I think, Orange County to the United States House of Representatives in Washington has advanced a bill to use tax money to fight the efforts of parents and families like we're doing at children. They want to give money to groups to keep this pornographic stuff in the schools. It's just you can't hardly make this stuff up and imagine that it's happening. Yeah, well, again, it's a heavy lift and just really appreciate the work that you're doing. I'll just say to our listeners, the Florida Citizens Alliance has done so much to support the, the uh, growth and improvement of Florida public schools. And now we're ranked number one in the nation. I was a long way to go in order to improve our school systems. There's no question about that. But nevertheless, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance has done a terrific job in uh, supporting that. I understand there's uh, some important information coming out for parents of uh, kids in Collier County school system. Well, we do this every year, and I just thought it would be good to remind parents to check on this because this is not work that we've done. We've just taken advantage of the work that U.S. News and World Report has done to rank the high schools in Florida. And so on our website, under the Solutions tab, people can scroll down and find a button, and it will take them to every county in Florida, and you can see the U.S. News and World Report ranking of best high schools. And you'll find there the key thing that I would encourage parents to take a look at is look at the school your child attends and look at the column that says percent of reading proficiency. Mm. This will tell you how many students in that school are reading at grade level. And I tell you, it's, it's disturbing when you see 50% on high school. And some lower than that, thankfully in Collier County, there are some that are quite a bit higher than that. And that's good. But think about it. If it's 50% that are reading at grade level, that means 50% are not reading right. at grade level. <clears throat> and that's a serious problem. You've got to be able to have basic skills to, to do well in life. And the same is true for math. You know, there's 44% in one of the high schools that's proficient at math. That means the other side of that, they are not proficient. Right. And, and we just can't be satisfied with those kinds of things. Imagine 56% of the students can't do math at grade level. Yeah. And at the same time, they're, they're most of them graduating. That school has a 95% graduation rate. Right. And, and I know those, num those numbers are daunting, but parents ought to pay attention. And not only that, but the schools are rated in many cases A or B. <laughs> so, and, but they're just not getting the results. The proof of the pudding's in the tasting. And if you're not getting the results, something's got to change. So I really yes. appreciate your sharing that information with us. Pastor Oakley, coming up here to your end, the great work that you're doing needs support. And you've got a great way to help uh, our listeners uh, enjoy a wonderful experience. And that's the uh, gala coming up in March. That's right. We have a gala coming up in, on March 13th, and, and I should make sure I don't say how much we appreciate everyone's support. Yeah. It has made a huge difference this year and every year. But if people would like to help us and come to our gala, there are tickets available on the website. And the good news is Alfie Oaks, a friend of Florida Citizens Alliance, agreed and worked with us to provide a $100 gift certificate for everyone who buys a ticket to his seat to table store. I mean, it's a restaurant, it's a grocery store. If you haven't yeah. been there, it's, it's hard to describe. It's an experience. And you can use that certificate later. He came to us and said, really, people can use that gift certificate any place they want to, any of his businesses. So everybody who buys a ticket will get a $100 gift certificate. Just use the promo code Alfie. It's there on our website. There's a pop-up that people will see when they go to goflca.org. And it's really a great way to take advantage of a, a terrific deal. And, and we are really grateful for Alfie being willing to help us out with this. It's a, 
it's a big, big help for all the people that are going to come to the gala. Absolutely. You can find out more by visiting the website, goflca.org, goflca.org. Patrick, so grateful for everything you're doing for people here in Florida. So grateful for uh, your time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us and Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and thanks for all your help and support. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much, Pastor Rick. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, T- uh, Tim Garrett. He is a candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett. He is a candidate for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Cuyahoga County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Cuyahoga County. You can vote for Tim Garrett, support him, and check out his website, Vote for Tim Garrett. Com. And it's paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Cuyahoga County Supervisors Elections. And we're fortunate to have with us today Tim Garrett. He is, a, as I mentioned, a candidate for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections here in Cuyahoga County. Tim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hi, Bob. Always a pleasure. Um, you know, we go way back, uh, back in my Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office days, have a lot of respect. The golden voice with the uh, uh, that's trusted here in Collier County. So uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you as well, Tim. And we do go back. We did a couple of projects together and had you on the show several times when it was on the radio. So uh, just pr- grateful to have, have contact again. This is great. So tell us why you've decided to run for supervisor of elections. Great question, Bob. Um, you know, really, it's all about service for me. Uh, ever since I graduated from high school, I went off in the, the military, served in the United States Air Force, both in, both in Germany and stateside here at Homestead Air Force Base. And then following that tour of duty, I went to Tallahassee to become a police officer. So I ended up in Collier County, which I love. I've been here for about 34 years. And truly, uh, Bob, it's about community service. And I feel that the uh, Office of Supervisor Elections is, is really the key component and key hub to our county and, and you know the people here. Um, that's a great opportunity for number one, for networking, uh, number one as uh, number two is being, you know, just a hub and just being available for people. And, and I really think that without a doubt, that position is crucial 
And I, I truly think now more than ever, people really want to make sure that the person who is in that position um, is very ethical, strong leadership, strong management. And, you know, that's really one of the things I, I want to bring to the supervisor of elections office. Oh, that's great, Tim. And I must say that, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. And uh, the proof of the pudding here would be just clean, clear, ethical elections, no hanky-panky, which we've seen, of course, in Florida. We had uh, hanging chads back in 2000. I think the uh, whole process of elections here in Florida has improved so immensely in that period of time. But we need somebody who's in charge who's going to really take care of business and make sure that our our, uh, elections are run properly and uh, there's no cheating, fraud, and that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people ask me, you know, Tim, you're you're a law enforcement officer. I mean, elections how, how does that correlate i said it's exact you know it's exact perfect fit for me because throughout my years in law enforcement i worked my way up from you know road patrol to the chief of operations with i had uh, approximately 750 men and women that i worked with um, supervised managed and it's about laws procedures policies and making sure people are really doing the right thing and and i will tell you that the supervisor elections offices is really about bringing a team together um, they have a uh, staff of about 24 members in there, and and the line level folks there are wonderful. I just think that I'm really going to concentrate on, you know, making sure the folks in the community know a little bit more about that office. I want to have transparency, accessibility, and there's a lot of things that we can improve on in that position. And, and I think having the opportunity to do that, and my knowledge of Collier County, my knowledge of the people and folks that kind of support Collier County is really going to be a huge benefit to that position. And, and ultimately, people want to trust the person who's going to be there. And, you know, the, the way of just saying this is how we've always done things around here, I think are over. We, we really need to have somebody who is very proactive, knows what's going on uh, in the community, in the world where there are bad actors. There are people trying to do things that are going to um, circumvent the, the election process. So I'm, I'm excited about doing that, and I know I can make some really – big positive changes in that position. Well, thank you for that, Tim. So uh, could you elaborate on the changes you'd like to see? Yeah, you know, one of the very first things I want to do is, and I know that I've talked to a lot of uh, both elected officials, citizens, and, you know, accessibility, and I have no, you know, no negative um, remarks on uh, our past supervisor of elections, Jennifer Edwards, wonderful person. Um, I just know that there's a lot of improvement. And one thing is, I really want to take the mysterious or mystique out of that building. Um, in other words, people people know I, that there is a supervisor of elections office, but they want to know really what goes on behind the doors, right? So people's uh, confidence uh, through education, training, learning about the process is very important. And, and one of the things I want to do, and, and we did this very successful at the sheriff's office, is we had a... Uh, Citizens Academy. So we we didn't just bring people in and show them a police car or show them, you know, the jail. We actually showed them how these tools work. So very similar with the Supervisor of Elections Office. I believe if we can bring folks in for a mini Citizens Academy, if you will, four to six weeks where they come in and not just look at how uh, the, the building operates and functions or the position, They'll actually get to see it. Let's go ahead and, and you know, break down some of these. Let's take a deep dive into the technology. Let's take a deep dive into you know, how the vote-by-mail works, how the early voting works, how the machines operate. And I think the supervisor of elections ultimately has a responsibility to establish that confidence. You know, I think that's very important. And if you don't have that strong leadership and that strong management ability to bring that community together and to see that that lack of confidence will be there. So, you know, I've got a lot of plans, a lot of things I want to do, and um, I'm super excited about about doing that and implementing those uh, from day one. It sounds really good, Tim. And in fact, uh, you're, you're reminding me of the fact that the uh, sheriff's office has kind of an outreach program to the community, building relationships in the community, bringing them closer and uh, reducing the, the fear and the lack of trust for uh, the sheriff's office. Same thing can happen with the Department of Elections as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, through my experiences, and I'm a community person, right, Bob? I, I've been here, everybody knows Tim Jurette working in the community. I've been here for a long time, again, 34 years. And one of my strongest goals or one of my strongest 
I guess, assets is being able to work with the folks in the community, bringing people together and, you know, being able to pick up the phone and say, hey, we need some help or, you know, how can we do things better? Uh, I know that I have, you know, spoken to several folks that have, you know, attempted to um, kind of try to do some of those things with the supervisor elections office. And, 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 and I know they're busy over there, but they often will get told that, hey, we can do that maybe in a, a month or two. We're a little bit tied up right now. With me, it's going to be 24-7. Call me when you need me. Tim Jurett, I'm here. We're going to solve the problems. My folks uh, in the office are going to be wonderful. And uh, I know we can really improve on the way we, we do things. And, and with that openness, Bob, I think you'll agree that people will have more confidence in, in the process, you know. Absolutely. And I, I jumped on board immediately when I found out that you're running because I thought you just did a great job at the sheriff's office. And uh, I think you do a great job as supervisor of our elections here in Cuyahoga County. I encourage our listeners to visit the website and learn more. Uh, www.votefortimgarrett, that's spelled G-U-E-R-R-E-T-T-E, Vote for Tim Garrett. Do you pronounce some Garrett or Garrett? Um, I usually do a Jurette, but I think the pr- proper way back in the French way is just Jurette, but yeah, Jurette, so yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, I just genuinely appreciate you taking time to come on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure, and I appreciate your support, and thank you so much. My de- and pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some great uh, upcoming performances. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. Good morning, Seaton. Hey, you know, uh, in our last interview, we got interrupted by some bad uh, technology, I guess. But uh, you were mentioning that uh, you'd had some background in theater and music. Well, well I, I, 
The only play I did was I was Santa Claus in preschool, but um, <laughs> I was in five movies by accident. So yeah, so I I, I very much appreciate, uh, especially the theater. I mean, it's one thing to learn a chunk of a script and then you know take eight, take fourteen, but the the the, the theater actors who memorize the entire freaking thing. And I remember in I lived in Austin, Texas, and. Uh, the University of Texas at Austin had a had a Shakespeare theater, kind of like an hour outside of uh, Austin. Yeah, and they lived there, and they would do like three or four Shakespeare plays at a time. Yeah, so these guys would have four different roles, Shakespeare roles, memorized. Yeah, and on Thursday night they do Twelfth Night, and on Friday night they do Richard the Third. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And so I, I, I just I have the utmost respect for people who do, especially theater. It's, it's an entirely different animal. It is, and um, it's. It, I, I just I think it's a, a really amazing thing. Well, and, and and right now when everybody's relying on technology and we're finding out we're becoming more and more isolated from relationships, it's an experience that brings people together. And every performance is a different performance. So you know, it it really is a work right. of it's art. Very, it's very organic, and yeah. and it's. Um, that was in one of the movies I was in, which, which got lost, um, after September 11th, this is how old I am. After September 11th, we were, we we were filming it during when, when September 11th happened or right after. And it was one of those things where it was farmed out from Hollywood to Austin, Texas. They did that a lot and they're doing it a lot now because there's, you know, there's, there's no union in, uh. Texas, so it's cheaper to make movies. Yeah, and um, and it was going to be bought back and then distributed by a major play, uh, player in Hollywood, and it just died on a shelf after September 11th because we lost a trillion dollars of economics, and part of that trillion dollars was this movie. But anyway, I was the bad guy, and I rewrote every line that the guy wrote, uh, the guy said, and you just to be in that group of creative people all working, you know, rowing in the same direction with the same objective is really a, a, an amazing, ama- amazing experience. Yeah, I certainly respect that as well. Uh, I was actually the uh, board chairman for Gulcher Playhouse from its inception for the first 15 years. I'm so proud of it because in, in uh, 2024, Opening our new 44,000 square foot performing arts center, and that's starting with just a name. Uh, well, it's it's probably 20 years ago, but uh, so 44,000 seats. For, no, 44,000 square foot. It'll oh, be square foot. Okay. It'll wow. Be, it'd be 350 seats, I believe. When in, okay in the main theater, so. But okay. I, I want to talk to you about uh, your column, dumbness. You have to do a mar- oh, you'd have to do a Marvel play to. Uh... Do forty four thousand seats anyway? I'm <laughs> yeah, no, no it's going to have days. it's going to have a, a, yeah. a, a place for kids and all kinds of things. So, so your your column is dumbness abounds at Biden's FCC. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it's it's again. Well, the FCC keeps announcing new things it's doing, and and um, it, it's going to do Title Two net neutrality. Title Two is nineteen. Uh, 34 uh, uh, landline telephone law, and it actually is predated by 1887 railroad law. And as we know, railroad tracks and telephone lines are binary. I call you, you call me. To take the World Wide Web where you're doing, you know, you have 44 browsers open with different addresses on your, you know, on, on your computer and try to treat that with binary law is just stupid. It's yeah. just dumb. It doesn't make any technological sense at all. And they're going to do it anyway. Um, well, that's because of political power. It's because control. Well, they want to, yes. It's, it's, the Internet got, got, you know, got out in front of them. They, yeah. they, they didn't expect it to grow as fast as it did. And it became this free-thinking thing. And um, people don't remember this. Twitter was made popular and, and put on the map nationally by House Republicans. Huh. And when, when, when Nancy Pelosi, during her previous stint as Speaker of the House, they were, the Republicans were on the floor of the House um, doing something that Nancy Pelosi didn't like. I don't even remember the, the, the particular issue. 
So the, they, they, they went on the House floor and started giving them speeches. And, and Nancy Pelosi called C-SPAN and turned off the cameras. And just, it was a total authoritarian thing in the mid-2000s, I think it was 2014. And Republicans found this little website called Twitter. And they, they were tweeting from the House floor because Nancy Pelosi turned off the television cameras. Huh. And, um, so, and that was when it was, you know, that was before the, the, the social media companies became big tech. And and started silencing Republicans and conservatives. It was a, you know, how quickly they forget that Republicans were the ones that put them on the map to a national. But it, but it's also a movement to free up communications and to reduce uh, censorship. And it, well, it, it, the point was the point was removing <clears throat> gatekeepers. Right. You, you didn't have you know network news anchors deciding what you'd hear and what you wouldn't hear. You didn't have reporters and editors and newspapers deciding what you would and wouldn't hear. And all, all we did was we created new, more powerful gatekeepers. That's exactly the right. The of the big tech companies. I mean, they, they, as you said so many times, I mean, the uh, Internet is a free market Xanadu. And the fact of well, the matter is... Well, it used to be a free speech Xanadu. Yeah, it was but... A free but, speech free market Xanadu. We lost that. But uh, it's, I think it's grown and exploded in terms of popularity, primarily because of the lack of government involvement in the whole process. And to your point, now we're try, they're trying to impose something that's like Groundhog Day. How many well, times have we, they tried we this? Found out, we, well, of course we found out. What, there, if, for, if, you, if you go back in time, in 2016, Trump wins the presidency. And there was actual video of Google executives speaking to Google employees there was a Google executive woman who was crying because Trump won. Yeah. <laughs> and they felt they felt that social media and their platforms had helped Trump win and they were vowing on camera to not let that happen again. Yeah. And that's what happened in 2020 as we know, we the, 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 the there's it happened every single, you know, search, every single um, query, every single tweet but the, 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 they were censoring what was being said about the election in 2020. The most vivid example, of course, is the Hunter Biden laptop story where Twitter bans New York Post for having the audacity to report it. And then we find out later that it was absolutely true, of course. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's become, you know, I've, I've felt it. I was sort of like, I was lightly shadow banned starting around 2014 and i had friends who were employees at facebook especially going yeah you're shadow banned they you know and i you know you could tell because i post a picture you know i posted my i paste i posted the article on monday i get maybe 10 likes i post a picture of rupus i get 200 likes rupus is my dog yeah, yeah. and it's, they're not even they're not even you know subtle about it if i post something non-political it doesn't get ban- it doesn't get blocked and so that's what's that's where we've gone with this with the big tech companies. Well, I mean um, they they've not only weaponized big tech, now they've weaponized the Department of Justice and the Colorado well, Supreme the Court. It's, it's it's the fascist, you know, Benito Mussolini described fascism as the merging of state and corporate power. Right. And that's what that's what we saw was not only did we learn that, you know, Twitter was banning people and so you know, no. but we found out that they were working with the government to do it, right. and the government was suggesting who sh- should be banned and who should be silenced right, right. and who should be kicked off, and and that's obvious. You know, it, it's First Amendment assault by proxy. You right. know, it's, it's a violation of the First Amendment just because the government didn't do it directly. If they're directing it, it it's 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 a violation of the First Amendment. Absolutely. And, we saw it incessantly, and it, and it hasn't really stopped. I mean, there was a great quote from uh, when when uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed Elon Musk about taking over Twitter, and he got rid of like two thirds of his staff. And he said, "And you can operate with two thirds of staff because it turns out when you're not working with the government, I'm paraphrasing." If you're not working with the government to censor people, you don't need that many staffers. <laughs> <laughs> Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit the website, lessgovernment.org. You can also follow Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, and Merry Christmas to you and all of yours and all your listeners. Oh, thank, thank you, you Seton. Then same back right at back at you, Seton. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability to help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in politics and in their elected office. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's my pleasure, as always, on a uh, Thursday morning, right before the holiday, right before Christmas, and uh, a lot of news in in the city of Naples. I should say a lot of turmoil. How's that? Is that put better? It is. You know, one of the nice things about you not being mayor anymore is the fact that you're so candid on (laughs) everything. Well, well, this is candid, all right, so... It seems as you, you know from last week when we talked that Beth Petrinoff had resigned or, or was thinking about resigning. Yeah. Okay, because of a, for, a form that she had to fill out that became that all munici- that, that all uh, uh, elected officials had to fill out except for municipalities. And then they passed it down this year that municipalities have to fill the same form out. And it's a disclosure form, okay, to make it, um, to, to keep it brief. It's about... You know, your income, your assets, everything, okay? They're, they're more pure transparency. So all of a sudden, in the middle of the meeting, uh, at the end of the meeting on Wednesday, Mike McCabe, Councilman Mike McCabe, comes out in a blistering <coughs> um, speech about how he's mad as hell and he can't take it anymore and what the state is doing to him and to, to others, uh, officials about this form, uh, is ludicrous, and um, they're taking away our home rule and uh, a myriad of, of, of other things in about a 10-minute, uh, five to 10-minute uh, tirade, and he quit. He quit right there on the spot, huh? <laughs> he resigned right on the spot, <laughs> right, right on the spot. Now, now here's a guy that's just, um, I mean, uh, uh, he, I, I mean, just, Instead of figuring out, well, you know, this is bad, there must be some kind of solution, because all the municipalities, it's not just Naples, Florida. Yeah. But nope, he quit. So now we get these people from 
from the neighborhoods, not even in the city necessarily. There's a there's a thing on the uh, on the, the internet, um, and it's called Your Neighborhood, and they have all these neighborhoods. And so these people that are watching are saying, "Oh, that's too bad." And Beth Petrinoff weighs in. Okay, she's trying to figure out a way of of not resigning, but she said in the meeting the other day, she said, "Well, I'm I've got some very good planners, financial planners that." that have uh, our friends have offered to let me use or to help me to see if there's a way that I can still stay on and, and not resign um, because she doesn't want to show what her assets are, mm. okay? And it's like, I, I don't care how good your financial planner is, um, and this form is pretty specific, and it says when it has to be in, and, and um, you know, uh, when it has to be done, and as far as she's concerned, when uh, about five months ago, Bob, she said she definitely, even though her term's not up for another two years, she said she's not going to run when her term is up anyway. So, I mean, it's like she's, uh, so my guess is she is going to resign December 31st because they have a kind of a deadline date. And um, and if she doesn't, um, she she looks like, I mean, it, it's like no confidence. Um the, the, if I were on council, you know, I would say, look, you know, you're, you're resigning. All of a sudden you're looking for a way not to because you don't want to fill out. You don't want to show the transparency on the form. And to top it off, Bob, this is it. She posts last night. She was giving an example of, uh, of what this form is. She puts up Kathleen Pasadomo's uh, disclosure form, which is public record. OK, yeah. I mean, she didn't do anything wrong. But why in the world would she do that? Yeah. It shows what Kathleen's assets are and, you know, what she made and what her investments are and stocks and whatever it is, you know? What do I care? Yeah. I, and, and there was no point whatsoever in her doing that. She could have picked anybody to put up because they're all there and they're all under the public record thing in the state. Uh, I think you have to go to the state ethics, whatever, and it shows, you know, come up, type a name in there, and it, it comes up. Um, and so it's, it, it is a real mess. Now, as far as candidates go, we've got some new candidates. Uh, two new candidates uh, announced um, um, yesterday. Uh, one is a, uh, a young man. Uh, I should say, well, yeah, everybody's young compared to me. But um, he's been around a long time. His parents were, uh, were, were very big community uh, supporters in, in Naples. They're, they're still around, Bill, Bill and Pat Barton. Yeah. That's their son. Their son um, announced, and his name is Byrne Barton. And uh, there's another young man, I guess his name is Gary Cooper. Uh, I don't know him or uh, haven't got, you know, I can't tell you a lot about him, but we've got some candidates for sure. So you've got Gary Price, you've got Bill Kramer, You've got Tony Perez. Uh, you've got these two, and Olinda Peniman has thrown her hat in the ring. Uh, a voice from the past. Wow! So there's going to be lots going on. I, I ran a lot by you there in about five minutes. Indeed. So, uh, what so, do you want to know? <laughs> so I, how how do we fill this position with the guy that quit yesterday? Well, you, you you're going to fill it. Um, it's we've got an election coming up. Uh, and that, and in 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 March, yeah. And um, so they're gonna, you know, there'll be candidates that will. And you've got till January nineteenth, I believe, is the final filing date. So if you want to be a candidate uh, uh, for city council, I guess you're gonna go down there and fill out the papers, and you're gonna file. So it's um, it, yeah, you're reminding me. I think that the city of Naples, it's it's not by territory or any area. It's no. uh, it's just the highest uh, uh, people that get the highest amount number of votes end up getting elected based on the right non district, Bob. Yeah, right, okay. right, yeah. So I mean, uh, um, and he was you. You really should go if you. If you go to NaplesGovernment.com, okay, uh -huh. and you go back to the last meeting on, on Wednesday, and you go to the end of the meeting, correspondence communication, you should uh, you should listen to Mike McCabe's uh, uh, speech. So um, interesting. It's, it's worth 
it's worth doing. Okay, I'll tell you. Bill, I just genuinely appreciate your comment. I will make a comment that I think some of this can come back to, not all of it, but some of it come back to a lack of leadership right now on the part of the mayor. So Right. Well, there's no doubt. Yeah, so I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I hope you and your family have a fantastic holiday and uh, family-oriented affairs. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, you too, and we'll talk next week, Bob. Take Look care. forward Bye-bye. to it. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some great guests for tomorrow, including uh, William Yatman, uh, senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation, Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment, Larry Bell, a weekly guest on the show, and Timothy Head, uh, also part of the uh, Faith and uh, Freedom Coalition. Uh, He'll be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden.com. And I appreciate your listening to the show. It means so much to me. And I hope if you'll enjoy the show, you'll pass the word on to your friends. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.